0: welcome everyone to why shamanism now this is your host christina pratt and i'd like to begin here today by calling in the spirits to help us so i call out first to your ancestral helping spirits and then to mine i call out to these people who lived well who died well who met the challenges of their time and learned and grew and transformed innovated changed and in this way cultivated a rich rich legacy that each of us is connected to here today, each of us, the living. So I call out to these ancestors who bring this legacy to us to stand close to us, to come near and to whisper to us, to communicate with us, to help us to reforge this relationship with them so that we are able to access the rich, rich legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful that lives in this lineage of people. And I call out beyond our human ancestors to those ancestors who were here before there were ever humans, to call out to all of those ancestors that are all part of the great dreaming that began with the very first dream that brought form into existence, or at least this experience of form. So we give great, great gratitude to our human ancestors, our elemental ancestors, nature ancestors, all the way out into the cosmos. We give gratitude for these teachers and ask them to be with us here today to help us to understand better how to tend this time of birth and infancy, this time of great potential, uh, great possibility, and great vulnerability. So we call out to these ancestors and give great gratitude for their presence circling around us here today. And then we take a moment within ourselves to gather our awareness, to gather it from where, wherever it is into our head. From our head to our heart, from our heart down into our belly, and from our belly, let's begin to send our energy down to touch the earth and take a moment in this day to give gratitude, gratitude for all that is present for you in this day, for all that has been in your life that's brought you to this moment, and for all that will unfold for this moment without a need to know what it is or attachment to that outcome. So we just take a moment with great, big, open, generous hearts and give gratitude to the earth for our life, for all the blessings, all the gifts, all the teachings and all the teachers that are so abundant in our lives. If we can simply learn to notice, to engage, to recognize them. And so we give gratitude to the earth, gratitude for beauty, gratitude for diversity, gratitude for all of this life all around us and for the miracle of life that we all share and then we extend our energy down with great gratitude in our hearts offering this thanks through all the layers of the earth as we reach down to the very center of the earth with our awareness and connect ourselves firmly there grounding to the center of the earth and taking a moment to open our energetic awareness to the stillness to the silence to the darkness to this energy that rejuvenates that restores, that renews, that rises up in the springtime and bursts forth, but to that energy simply that is the rising, that nourishes and replenishes and is the energy that is found in all that the abundance and the gifts that are here on this planet and all of its many forms. And so we draw this energy up. You can visualize it as silver energy, drawing it up from the earth and up into your body, into your belly and your heart and your mind. And then we ask the energy of the earth to help us help us to know where we stand in life, help us to ground into that place and to know what's really worth living for and to live for that. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us to create a sense of hearth and home and belonging. And in that, to take from a sense of worth and value as well. And to open our table, humble though it may be, to others, those who are different than we are, to the stranger, and to invite in those things in life that will help us, will challenge us, will irritate us into becoming the men and women that we have come here to be. And may we offer that gift to others and so we ask the energy of the earth to help us to understand how to live in our life connected Connected to ourself, connected to the earth, connected to others, interconnected with things. And that our growing awareness of the constant exchange of energy expand until we have those moments, perhaps one in each day, where we actually feel ourselves as part of the great fabric of life, as a tiny part of the great oneness of all things. And may we take our right relationship with ourselves from that deeper truth, that deeper energetic truth. And thus come into right relationship with others, right relationship with the earth, right relationship with the environment around us, all the many, many beings in that environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. And let us draw this energy of the earth up now and send it out through the sky, through the atmosphere, out into the cosmos, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe, reaching up to this highest sky energy and connecting with it. Allowing yourself to be reflected in it and it reflected in you. And begin to draw this energy down. You can visualize it as golden energy, drawing it down through the cosmos and the atmosphere and the sky all the way down into the top of your head. And in this way, I ask you with me to call in the energy of blessing into yourself, into these proceedings, into your day. The energy of protection and generosity and commitment, devotion the energy of inspiration and illumination. And we call this energy into our head, into our heart, into our belly, and we send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we become this meeting place of these two great lovers, so essential in shamanic teachings around the globe, this connection of earth and sky, and allowing that connection not to be simply an idea in our mind, but a felt sense within our body. And let these two great lovers awaken our center channel. And in the very center of that center channel, let the big love of these two energies awaken our hearts. And so we call out now to the spirit of the heart and ask it to open, to become the great crucible of transformation that only it is in our lives. And ask it to call up the fiery passions of the belly that burn only for why we are here. And to call down the crystal clarity of the mind to help us understand how to make things manifest in our time. And we call these energies together in the heart. We ask them to dance, give them some space, give them some love. And in that dynamic tension, we ask them to give birth to that third most essential thing, our knowing of why we are here. That felt sense, that memory, that heart's longing for why we have come into form and what we are here to do. And may you find in your human heart the courage that it will take to do something large or small to bring those gifts you are here to give out into the world and to make them manifest. And so for all the spirit help gathered around to help us to do this, I give great thanks. Thanks. And I give great thanks to those of you listeners who are willing and able at this time in your lives to offer financially to this show. For those of you that are just tuning in, this uh, Why Shamanism Now is um, listener-sponsored. Um, there, You can go to whyshamanismnow.com. The show has its own radio. Uh, the radio show has its own website. You can donate there. Um, any amount, large or small. All of it goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And I am deeply grateful to Susan, Shay, Kayleen, Darcy, David, Sarah, Elise, and all of those of you who have been able to help since we were last on the air to keep the show going. And I give great, great gratitude for those of you who are not able Those who are make it possible for you to listen to the show, to draw these teachings in, and to do something to change your life so that you come to a place in your life where you are able to help others in the world. And in this way, we keep the energy moving. So I ask you if you're moved by the show in any way, large or small, um, into excitement and inspiration or frustration and irritation, however it is that you are moved, I ask you to notice that you have been moved in your heart. And to do this most fundamental of shamanic acts, the big change that shamanism brings to us is this understanding of how to move from the motivations of our hearts into our actions in the world. And to understand that as an expression of true power. So I ask you, if you are moved in any way, to do something, large or small, to keep the show alive and well and strong and vital. Um, You can ask your questions and show ideas, whatever it is. There are many, many ways that we link here in the world around the globe to help things to grow. And I ask you to do your part, whatever that is. And I give you great gratitude for doing it. So we are live today. And if you have any questions about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the codash creator network dot com site, or um you can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Uh, let's see. So today's topic is is about children and shamanism, and I'm going to focus on the beginning on on um Pregnancy and birth, infancy. And then we'll move on to children and then move on from that to teens. And it's just um, something that I've had a lot of requests for is is shamanism and children. And this topic is enormous and huge. But what I'd like to do is just plant some seeds of ideas. Um, And with that... I'm not so much wanting to talk about what was done because we're not in those cultures anymore. We're not those people. We're these people. And so I really want to focus these shows on what we can do now. How do we show up for what needs to happen in the moment? And if we can, in addition to that, how do we begin to repair the aspects of our culture and our communities that are broken? But one of the first things in the repair of our world here the human part of it at least is that we show up for the children in a different way and if that's all we can do in our life is just show up for our children in a different way and help them to carry a different dream in the new world we have done unimaginable good in the world and this is my my deep belief um, from the spirit world is i 've come to understand you know as much as I do as a vehicle of spirit in the world, which is pretty much everything in my adult life, the truth of the matter is I am old news, I am a has been already, that the focus of the spirit world is on the new young ones coming in is on the children, and the spirit world has tried again and again and again patiently trying to help humanity as it forgets. To remember that our presence and our attention to the children speaks to the richness of our values and our culture. And that is the way we change the dream. Yes, how we act matters, granted. But the power comes when we help the children shift their dreaming. And I have the rich, truly rich opportunity to, to have parents that one understood that not because she saw it as a shamanic perspective. She just knew that what had been done to her would not be done to her children, period. The buck stops here. She didn't know what to do. All she knew is what not to do. And that's created a certain aspect of life. And, and, and with her, in my other parent, we have someone who really believed in the stories he was given as a boy about what it meant to be a man and passed that on. Some of that is valuable, um, but a lot of it propagates the old story and it leads to a certain kind of old age for him as well. And so it's been um, a great teaching for me to watch these two beautiful people raise their children and to be part of that and to see how powerfully instilling the new dreams in your children changes everything between just one generation and how powerfully handing down what was handed to you without any change is either a deep blessing because it's good stuff that got handed down to you or a curse you hand down to your children, frankly. So anyway, okay, so last week I was up in British Columbia at the uh, shamanic conference up there. And um, in, in the many wonderful things that happened, in the morning kind of plenary part of this conference, um, different speakers spoke to the different phases of the fire. And Michael Dunning was there, the shamanism Michael Dunning was there, and he did a wonderful presentation in the morning about the spark, you know, that the miracle part of fire, is that that miraculous spark that sparks things into existence and that and and i think part of our great lack of understanding about birth and infancy and raising children and the reason it leads to so much soul loss is we have an enormous amount of misinformation about what childhood is even about what Conception and pregnancy and birth is relative to the little physical body and the great soul that's coming in and how that works. And I've always found in shamanism a great sanity around that, a great relief in the relationship between nature and And the stories of the people, like whenever nature and science and the stories of the people all say the same thing, it's something you should hang on to. And that's what I really found in shamanism and in understanding this that I haven't really found elsewhere. There's a lot of panic and pain and misunderstanding around what's really going on as children come into the world. And so what was beautiful about Michael's talk about the spark is he really talked about the spark, you know, as it comes in, in conception to a human and how that, um, spark. I mean, if you've ever seen the, um, mitosis and, 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 and movement in the cells after conception, it's like a volcano that spark occurs and these cells just start dividing and dividing and dividing. It's, it's amazing to see, you should Google it. I'm sure it's out there somewhere on the internet. If you've never seen it, if you didn't pay attention to that day in science class and high school, you really should. It's unbelievable to see how that spark just, just, just the life starts happening from that. So Michael talked about the spark. And the other thing he talked about that was so beautiful about the spark and the embryo is he talked about how in the actual development of the fetus, the hands and the face are part of the heart, the cells that are the heart. And that they evolve out of the heart, the face and the hands. Um, it And it's it's such a beautiful understanding to have and it it helps us understand why the face and the hands are so important in our connection with each other but in in the talking of that though he said this beautiful phrase he said the heart is not done like even after birth the heart is not done the heart is growing and developing and the heart is there not only in the heart within ourselves both energetically both physically the pump but also in its role, coordinating everything, connecting with everything, being this crucible of transformation. But that the heart is actually there, like our hands and our face are extensions of our heart. It's, it's unbelievably beautiful. So anyway, so then the next day, I talked about fire. And I was really talking about childhood, the beginnings, the, that, that eruption of the cells, that volcano as the spark happens and then how it goes through the development of the fetus and into birth and comes into the world and how childhood is this time of fire. And you watch kids, you know, healthy kids at least, they go and they go and they go and they go and they just kind of tip over and sleep, eat something, and then they go and they go and they go. I mean, it's just all about this this explosion of flame into the world, this expression, this discovery, this adventure, this frustration. I mean, all of this, its it's – it's a really beautiful time and it is natural. And this is what we need to understand we're tending when we're considering this beginning part of life. and Even in an infant, they are on fire in all the development and the growth and the change that is happening. It's, um, it's really astronomical and we need to be present for that. And we need to not, it, to the best of our ability, not get in the way of that. And that if we, we, we simply understand these phases of, our, of human life differently, in a, more, in a simpler way, without shame and blame and judgment and fear and all this panic that a lot of organized religious and political ideas have brought in around this ever so natural thing. Well, and even in the medical world, in, in, the, in the time that I was born, being pregnant was being treated as an illness. You know, it was like a, this pathological situation that you had to go to the hospital to do. It's crazy. Okay, so. So what is interesting to me then? So let's, let's start here. So what is interesting to me then is in shamanism, one of the fundamental skills we learn in shamanism these days, and, and other things, but particularly shamanism, is how do we create sacred space? And how do we set sacred space for ritual and for ceremony? And so what's really fascinating for me is we don't even consider that for the most part to prior to conception. Now, it's like the most sacred act of manifestation for a human to bring a new human life into the world and and this so often happens when there's no consideration of sacred space at all in fact it often happens in in times of distress or drunkenness or being high or being absolutely unconscious about what is going on and so this is the first thing that i would suggest if in the, in your your questions about childhood and shamanism is it begins right there Prior to conception in the creation of sacred space and the treating the space in which the conception will occur as sacred space and this and and I mean this not just to put the burden on whoever is going to receive this pregnancy because these days there Lots of options right there 's single parents there 's male and female parents there 's female female there 's male male there 's poly groups i mean there's there 's a lot of options for the 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 energy soup into which this conception is going to happen, but right now there 's <laughs> still just one womb that is going to carry this child to term, whether it 's um, the mother of the child. Or a biological mother who will surrender this child to another mother who will raise it. Or whether, whether that's through adoption or in, intentional surrogacy. I mean, it's, it's complex. We've got a lot of options these days. And this is real. Nonetheless, it doesn't matter what the situation is. Why are we not considering the sacred space of conception? And so the first act of creating sacred space is setting your boundaries. What is the shape of, you know, what is the ring around the fire? What is the cave that we're entering into for an earth ritual? You know, what is the space? Setting the space and maintaining the boundaries. And so part of setting the space and maintaining the boundaries is that everybody involved in the partnership around this conception is involved in protecting and maintaining those boundaries. Right, and then we need to cleanse the space. We set the boundaries of the space and we cleanse the space. And so, for those people in life that want to receive conception and bring a new life into the world, the cleansing of that space is critically important. And this has to do with your food, your substances that you use. and your stress level. These things all matter because they all involve the chemistry of your body. So yes, for a lot of people, it means you need to change your behavior for at least the period of holding this sacred space for conception to happen. And then the other thing about this space, especially for those that are not actually carrying the womb that's going to receive the conception, what about everybody else? Well, the other thing about sacred space, you know, is the next thing we do often in the space to, to set the intention of the space. We offer prayers or blessings in the space to nurture and infuse that intention. Um, or we sing in that space. This can be done for the space of the womb as well. Setting the intention and, and honoring that space and tending it until this conception happens is a huge piece we could be doing. And I'm not even saying this used to be done shamanically. But today, wouldn't you want to give your kid the best chance to let that conception occur in sacred space just to give them the best chance? And then the other thing, of course, is nourishing the space, nourishing the womb, literally, nourishing this sacred space. And there is absolutely no amount of shamanic or spiritual influence. That is going to change the negative effects, the toxic effects of a chronically stressed out woman with a poor diet and irregular sleeping patterns. And the problem with this, of course, is there are a lot of women in America, I'll just stick to America, but this is true around the world. There's a lot of women that just to survive a day are chronically stressed out with poor eating habits and because of that, often poor sleeping patterns, right? So what are we doing as a people? to tend the sacred space for the conception of the children coming in. It's not just about you and your partner. It's about us. It's about all of us. Because all of these children are our children. They are our brothers and sisters, our citizens. They are our human world. And so this this tending of sacred space and changing the story around pregnancy is really important to think about it as, how do I honor and tend this sacred space for conception? Okay, so I realize that this is not the norm and that most people have more of a, oh, shit, moment. Oh, shit, I'm pregnant moment. <laughs> and I was... um just this weekend talking to some beautiful young women that happen to work at Planned Parenthood. And one of their greatest frustrations is, is how these people, you know, women, you know, show up and oh, you know, pregnant again, you know, like they don't know where it's coming from. And it's not just on the women. It's just the women who are there at Planned Parenthood sharing this story and the frustration of those, you know, employees at Planned Parenthood wanting to support the pregnancy and the child, but growing more and more disillusioned in the, the disrespect and the lack of responsibility around the act of conception and, and the getting pregnant. And this is, of course, um, a huge, huge input uh, piece on the man. <laughs> no pun intended with the input, but a huge piece there. And there are so many couples who are biologically, for one reason or another, unable to have children. That, 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 that seems to me, in, 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 the, in the dysfunctional way things balance out, that these, these couples that are suffering around their wanting and not able to have children is being balanced by others who are carelessly and mindlessly bringing children into the world. So what can we do as a culture? How can we work shamanically to begin to change the story around conception and birth and sharing the the richness of this um, magic? It's magic. As Michael said, bringing that spark in is a miracle. And how do we tend that miracle with respect and, and share that miracle so that that miracle of new life, is received into a loving situation. So I'm not even going to get off on that tangent further because for most of us, we get to a place um, excited or trepidatious of, oh, we're pregnant. Okay. So let's say you missed the moment you didn't you weren't you were drunk you were whatever you weren't even trying whatever it is let's say maybe you were but let's say you weren't really tending the sacred space so now it's already happening you know that volcano of cell division and um, life is already happening what you can begin then and there is the intention to work with your helping spirits and to understand in a sense what is the song I should be singing for this new one coming in? You know, it's not my intention as a parent to have the next astrophysicist person to save the universe. You know, my intent as a parent is to to create the protection and the love and the freedom for this being coming in to do what they've come here to do. So what's the song? What's the song that you could be singing, the intention To each morning, you and your partner, if there is one, partners, if they're plural, um, or by yourself. And by yourself, you just need to lean that much more heavily into the spirit world to be with you in community around this pregnancy. What's the song? I mean, I've, I've talked before about... These shamanic practices in pre-contact cultures where they find out the name of the child and the purpose of the child and this shamanic trance state work. And that's all beautiful. It would be lovely someday to get back there. But right here, right now, today, you just got the news. You peed on the stick. You're pregnant. Now what? That's what I'm talking about. If you have a relationship with your helping spirits, you can begin today do the journey to your helping spirits. What is the intention I need to hold for the highest benefit of this child? What is the intention I need to hold for the highest benefit of this child in all life? How do I sing that? How do I pray that? What is the blessing? What are the words for that? How do I do this? That your helping spirits can answer you and you and your partner can work that out. I mean, I, One of my greatest shocks in shamanic work was prior to my marriage when my husband, well, soon to be husband and I, well, he was my husband already as far as I was concerned. But we journeyed to find out what were the vows we needed to say and what were the vows we wanted to say. And I was shocked to see how similar they were really shocked. I mean, I've done those journeys before where, yes, everybody journeys and they all come up with similar answers. So that isn't shocking to me. I was shocked at how aligned these two people were around this act they were doing together. So what if you did that with your partner around this child and you both journeyed and found out what is the prayer? What is the blessing? What do we have to offer? Do we each have a different one because we each bring something very different into this child's life, or do we share the same one? Do we disagree? It's a good thing to work that out before the kid actually gets there, you know. How, and who's going to help you work that out? Your helping spirits. So anyway, so you're pregnant. You can begin with intention. The next piece would be no better reason in the world to reach out to your ancestral helping spirits. No better reason in the world than bringing a descendant into that line to reach out to your ancestral helping spirits. And if you need to jump over generations of ancestors because they're not ready to be helping spirits to get to a truly luminous, a truly present, a truly ready spirit helper from your own lineage, your own blood lineage, then do it. Do the work for your child. What better reason is there? To connect with your ancestors, then your children and their soul's purposes to make sure that they have that spirit help present. And then, of course, the corollary is what better reason in the world to clear the unresolved issues with the ancestors? To get the stuff that has confused your life out of the way for your children. No better reason in the world. To get those dead ancestors whose issues would get in the way of your child and their soul's purpose to free them from that. The ancestors as well as the child. What better reason to do that work or ask for help in doing that work. So these are the things I would think to do in that first nine months. A lot can be done in that time. Okay. So, moving on. So, growing, 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 great big belly, things are moving along swimmingly, and then there's birth. And like I said, I've told many stories about these beautiful community-based rituals where a child is born into the song of their own true name or their soul's purpose – um, or just simply welcomed into their family lineage, into their community. you know, And maybe some of you live already with groups of people around you where that could happen. And if that could, go for it. Ask the spirits how to do it well and do it. Learn by doing it again and again with different children and find the way for your community to do that. But most of us aren't there yet. There's a whole lot of people, a lot of women bringing children into the world all by themselves and feeling in that alone. You know, I didn't feel so alone when I was just in my career, and now all of a sudden I have this big life I've made for myself and I'm pregnant. And now suddenly in this amazing thing that I'm doing, one of the most important things I'll do with my life, I feel suddenly very alone. So again, we lean in to our spirit help. And so one of the things to do then at birth, even if you're a single mom, just going into this experience by yourself. Ask your helping spirits to bring in the helping spirits of everybody involved in the birth. There's nothing um, inappropriate about that. You know, telling them what to do would become inappropriate. But for you in a time that is literally life-threatening. To ask that the helping spirits of everyone present be present with them and help this go in the best possible way for all concerned is totally within your right as a human to do at any critical junction in life, but particularly at birth. Another thing that you can do is ask your helping spirits for the identity of your child's spirits, helping spirits, so that you can call them in so this could be a family spirit meaning uh the the what i call i that's what i consider totem spirits the the family lines uh helping spirit that you receive as spirit help by virtue of being born into that line now your family may have been very disconnected from your family's helping spirit but that doesn't mean they've gone away and it doesn't mean they aren't trying and so coming to understand what your family's lineage spirit is and calling that in is one way to do it. You could call in the helping spirit that is here uniquely for the child and their soul's purpose and cultivate a relationship with those helping spirits. You could certainly do that prior to birth so that you're able to call these energies in. Um, in the old days, you know, the, the families. Helping spirit, the, the the pattern of that would be embroidered or woven into the fabric of the blankets and the clothing that the child would wear to literally wrap the child in the protection of the family's helping spirits. There's no reason you can't do a similar thing today. I mean, most of us aren't weaving. It'd be nice if we were, but we're not. But with all the stuff that's out there printed onto things. And with all the seamstresses out there, you couldn't figure out how to get a duck helping spirit on a kid's blanket. I mean, we can still do this. To literally wrap the child energetically and physically in the spirit help that is there for them. And so we can ask those helping spirits to tend the birth for the child. And then ask your own helping spirits to tend you in your part of that birth and just invite the spirit world in to help it go well for the people. And another important thing is to really consider, consider if you can, various forms of birth that don't necessarily require going to the hospital. I mean, not all hospitals pathologize birth, but many still do. And for many, it's a a traumatic experience to be in the hospital with all this other stuff going on in the hospital, dying and illness and trauma going on in the environment of the hospital. For some, it's very hard at this time, this big gate that's opening for the spirit to truly come in and be made manifest in the world. So try something else. Consider Natural birth, some form of natural birth, if possible, a water birth. There, there are many, many options out there that a lot of women don't even know about. You know, so there's midwives, there's doulas. You know, birth is not an illness. And um, exploring that possibility, especially for women that are disconnected from the women in their own family line, that to connect with other women that have really focused their life around this part of human life allows you to engage again in this great shared wealth of knowledge from other women about all the things that go with birth and infancy. And so it allows you as a single person who may be really disconnected from the stories of the women or maybe it was done really poorly for you to reconnect with women and ask them so why did you breastfeed you know how do you breastfeed Um, and all the different questions that will come but particularly around birth which is a dangerous act and that it is important Um, it's a it's a miraculous act but there is danger in it for the child and for the mother and it's important to be surrounded by people that honor the sacred nature of that act and have a ton of information about it from experience. I mean, it's really preferable to allow the nature of the child, in general, to allow the nature of the child to run its course rather than having your pregnancy induced so that you can be on schedule for the doctor who wants to get you in and out in a particular time frame so you're going to have a C-section whether you want one or not. And and that you know that's just not necessarily the best way to go about it, which is not to say a C-section is bad. That's not my point. But my point is... The child and the mother have their own timing and to be surrounded by people that can facilitate that timing and happening can be a really beautiful and important thing. So there's a ton of really interesting information out there on the internet, actually, about um, shamanic pregnancy. You can just Google shamanic pregnancy. One the site says that pregnancy is a portal into the sacred spiritual and shamanic dimensions of womanhood. Using shamanic processes and rituals, we will access information, insights, life lessons, and healing. We will connect with our power animals, let go of fears, update our belief systems, access the power of our voice, connect with our baby inside, and establish our birth temple in preparation for birth. And this is a piece from um, a site called School of Shamanic Midwifery. And this quote I just read was from Jane Harwick Collings. It's another piece, Birth as a Shamanic Experience by Molly Mead. And that begins by stating that childbirth is a primary initiatory right for women. Um, So these are all out there for you to read. I'm not drawing from them today because I don't actually believe that childbirth is a primary initiatory right for women. It can be. But obviously, it in and of itself can be ignored. That, that potential in it can be ignored, obviously, if you look around us. And so I think we have to be careful about our language. It can be. Maybe you would go so far as to say it should be, but it isn't necessarily. If you go through doing it unconsciously, drug, not paying attention, not caring, not noticing the sacredness in it, it isn't going to be an initiation bottom line so so we need to be kind of careful with this but it's beautiful that this is out there for those of you that are ready to go that way um there's shamanic journeyings for pregnancy where people are where this woman is simply teaching people to do a shamanic journey so that they can connect with the spirit of the infant coming in which is beautiful The challenge in that is to not get attached to the idea that because the spirit of my infant is present here for me to communicate with, that it is connected now to this fetus indefinitely. Because there are a lot of natural reasons pregnancies terminate and there are some chosen reasons pregnancies terminate and that this is part of the big system. It's not an error. It's not a mistake. It's not wrong. It is. It is is part of the whole system. And what we need to remember, if if we're looking at this from a shamanic perspective, is that the spirit coming in is not attached to the physical fetus, that the life force that is growing like a volcano in the fetus is simply the force of life it is the part of the soul energy that is coming out of the body as a physical form it like everything else here in the physical world has its own life force and so the spirit of the child coming in is not the same thing the incarnating spirit and so the fact that we can connect to the incarnating spirit is a beautiful thing but it doesn't mean if you now, a month later, lose that child from some biological reason and you have, you know, some sort of sadness and that loss that, that this is now some great, horrible thing. The spirit just moves on, waits for another time to come in, either with you another time or maybe others, that it's not – from a shamanic perspective – This is not a desperate situation, it's a sadness, it's a loss, it needs to be tended well. But it's not a given, it's not a tragedy, it's not the only option that that soul had to come here and now it will never be here again. There are many, many, many options, again and again and again, for a soul that needs to come and incarnate. What's important for life, from the perspective of the big system, that does have in it miscarriages and stillbirths and these things, is in that system there is the desire to have the incarnating soul coming in, come into a body that can carry that soul's journey. So there's these two pieces. So you could also journey to the life force of the body. It's not going to be real talkative. I mean, the body basically just says yes and no. But you can... Be with that energy too and feel it as something very different, much more of nature, much more primal and fiery in its nature than the actual soul that's incarnating, which is wise and has been here before and it's not an infant. It's not new. It's returning. These are very different energies and they will come together at birth. But until then, there's and, – and even after – you know, even, you know, many children die in the first year, first in the very early time. And so the soul, like any other soul, it moves on and comes back if it chooses to. And so we need to not flog ourselves and feel shamed and bad because of this great loss of a child coming in. That often it is the best situation to give that incarnating spirit a different opportunity to come and arrive. It's hard for us. In other words, it's harder on us than it is on the incarnating spirit. Okay, so moving along. And so this is my challenge with all of these things that are available around shamanic pregnancy is our tendency to get attached and to come to it with this misinformation about infants and souls and bodies and utterly ignore everything we know that comes to us from the physical world and from the indigenous people and get all wrapped up. Because of a lot of misinformation we have from government, religions, and psychics, frankly. So that's all. It's still beautiful. It's still out there. It's still a great opportunity for those who want to get into it if you go into it without this um, desperate attachment piece. Um, and then there are others out there. And you need to read into them before you decide to go take the workshop. Because a lot of it is just looking at the shamanism journeys the shaman, as a metaphor for understanding your pregnancy. And that's interesting intellectually, but that's not really what I'm talking about today. There's nothing wrong with it, but what I'm trying to talk about today is bringing your shamanic skills to bear on conception, birth, uh, conception, pregnancy, birth, and infancy. So moving right along. So you've had a lovely birth. Or even a challenging birth, even a terrifying birth. Nonetheless, here you are and you have an infant. Now what? (laughs) So the infant is still on fire, is still growing, changing, still developing. So long ago, a teacher told me that if you measure the brains and the convolutions and folds in the brains and the size of humans with all the other mammals, that basically a human infant should stay in the womb for five more years. Now, if any pregnant women out there are listening, especially if you're well into your pregnancy, that sounds like the worst idea ever in the universe, right? Giving birth to a five-year-old. So clearly that's not gonna happen. So what you need to understand though, is for the first five years, but particularly in this infancy time before a child can even walk or speak or do anything at all to communicate Uh, directly and connect with a stranger for example to get fed or clothed Um, in for five years that being needs to be in an energetic womb so your your shamanic task is to understand that about your child and to do this in a way that is not suffocating and stagnating. But understands that this child is just developing, 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 developing and in that vulnerability because to change and to transform we are by the nature of that act as humans vulnerable. They need a kind of energetic protection that's got a lot of air and a lot of space in it but is nonetheless protected. Um. I'm being totally distracted right now by the scene I just saw in the movie under the skin. There's a moment in this scene where the mother and the father of an infant are at the beach in Scotland and they've just drowned. They've just both drowned in an an undertow and the child is just left there screaming on the beach and ultimately is washed out to sea as the tide rises. Um, But as a a human – watching this human infant left there crying. It was excruciating. It was like one of the most painful movie moments I've had and for as long as I can remember because it feels so wrong, right? That so, So these infants are vulnerable. They need to be responded to. And so, you know, they're mostly sleeping, waking up, eating, pooping, sometimes puking, sleeping. You know, I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot going on. And it's easy as contemporary people to get annoyed by that. But what we need to understand from a shamanic and energetic perspective is our job to create this energetic container that the child can do these biological things and keep growing and changing and developing and engaging with them with an understanding of what aspect in them is developing at that time and how do we meet their needs in a timely way and develop the sense in them that their needs will be met, that they are safe here, that they are being cared for. And so one of the biggest pieces, other than producing the food in the shelter, which is and for the, if you're breastfeeding, literally producing the food and the shelter, one of the big pieces is protection. But this has been part of the theme from the beginning of this show, is you and your helping spirits, you working with the child's helping spirits, you bringing in a stuffed animal that is that child's helping spirit, or a picture for the wall, or bringing the spirit help into the child's room in some way, the family's totem helping spirit, working each day, setting the intention, working with the spirits of the land and the helping spirits to create a safe container for this child to develop in and asking for help so that you can do what needs to be done. It's not easy. And and one of the most important things is it's not just about the protection so the child can live and survive and asking your helping spirits how to do that if you don't know, right? But it's also about presence, the quality of your presence, there's a lot of soul loss that occurs in, well, actually in the womb, but in infancy, because this child is radiating out their being. Because the soul is not an infant. So the soul is big and radiant, and this child's little body, this little infant body, is on fire, developing, and they radiate out this energy, out their eyes, because. You know, their face is part of their heart and their little hands and they're radiating out. And the soul loss that occurs when the parent can't be there and be present for that, to receive that radiance and reflect it back. So the child knows they're there. Meaning the child themselves knows they are there. They are real. They are a substantial thing but also that the parent is there and and the soul loss occurs when the child radiates out that heart energy spirit energy fire energy and the parent or the caretaker cowers chickens out draws back can't be present for the wonder and beauty and miracle of that child you've got to be present and if you can't if you find you You know at your core, you're chickening out. You can't stand in the radiant presence of your own child. You need shamanic help because that child needs you to show up and stand there. Okay, you're tired. Okay, you got puke in your hair. Okay, all those other things. But they need you to be present and to reflect their beauty back just by being able to be present with them. This is part of the reason so many children that got raised by nannies who were present with them struggle in life around the nanny and the parents and how that organizes their energy in the world and where their soul loss was. So, that presence, that being there, that allowing that radiance to reflect off you and say, Yes, you are here, you are safe, and you are loved is critical because that infant, even as an infant, energetically. They will totally get if you are chickening out, if you are caving in, if you are pulling back. And you can't do that. It's not an option. Not for your child. Not for any child, actually. And so this is the reason to go to spirit. And if you can't do it yourself with your own helping spirit, it's a reason to go to a shaman. I can't show up for my infant child. I need help. And it's probably your own soul loss. Probably how you weren't shown up for. But it's not okay to simply propagate the pattern. Not when we have the tools to change it now. So that's part of it. Protection. Presence. And then of course the next thing is working your ancestral altar. Working with your ancestral helping spirits, so that they're watching over you as a parent. Let's say you got parented Terribly. Maybe you got fostered out from family to family to family, and now here you are, a parent yourself, and you're like, shit, I have no clue how to do this well. Go to your ancestral helping spirits. Ask them. Ask for a really fine mother and a really fine father in your own bloodline. I don't care how many generations you have to jump over to find them, but you find them for your helping spirit, and if you can't find them, I'm sorry, for your child, and if you can't find them, you ask for help. This is our responsibility as parents today. This is the importance of our shamanic skills today, is to give us a way to show up for our children in a way that is different than people showed up for us. To bring forward those things that were done well, and to refuse to bring forward those things that were not. And to understand that your own child moving through the phases in life that you experience soul loss in, especially if that is unresolved at this point in time, will trigger that again for you and you will start behaving badly. It is the nature of the the relationship between the child and the parent. So get yourself to the shaman and get your soul parts back. Get them integrated so that you can be present and whole for your child. And of course, again... I cannot think of a better reason to begin to clear and heal your ancestral lines. And imagine if both parents attended to this, clearing these unresolved ancestral energies. You could ask to clear the unresolved ancestral energies that keep me from parenting well. You could ask to clear the unresolved ancestral energies that keep, would keep my child from knowing and living his or her soul's purpose. You could ask to clear the unresolved ancestral energies that will keep my child from excellent health. There's so many ways you could go at clearing that ancestral energy for your child. And then, of course, there are many practical things as well, like nursing your child, if at all possible. The intimacy established in that act is equal in importance to the health and constitutional benefits that are pretty well established in nursing. If you can't, you can't. And if you weren't nursed, you weren't. But mostly what I meet today is women who simply choose not to for personal reasons, not for physiological reasons. And you need to rethink that choice. If you can't physiologically, if there's something going on, you can adapt for that. But the intimacy... And the connection that arises out of the act of actually nursing your child has enormous foundational role in setting up that child for a healthy energy body, healthy emotional body and that sets them up for a healthy physical body and the ability to then go be independent in the world. So I'm not saying this to pass judgment it's just the the understanding in young women about the importance in this is not just the enormous health benefits for your child but there is a deep emotional benefit which many don't understand because they weren't breastfed and their mothers weren't breast you know this whole thing because of a lot of misinformation mothers were given over the last couple of generations okay and this also in expressing your milk also gives an opportunity then for the partner who isn't breastfeeding to nurse them as well and, and create that bond as well. So I'm running out of time. So I'm going to skip my last story and move on to the final thing that I wanted to share about this early time when this child is just on fire growing, just, and so much in the energy, in the energy of the people around and the energy soup kind of created by the parents, whoever the parents might be, whatever that dynamic is. But the other thing you always have to offer, even in infancy, is your songs and your stories. Tend carefully the stories that you tell your children, but tell them stories about their world, ordinary and non-ordinary, about how they are loved, about how they are valuable, and about how they are unique in the world. And sing them songs. I recently heard a young woman sing this personal lullaby her mother had created for her. It was one of the sweetest things I've ever heard. And the lullaby was simply about how that young girl was amazing. And how much her mother loved her. So I give thanks for the ancestors gathering around us here today. For the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening.